Whistleblower Report, exposing lies, deceptions, and all that has assaulted our way of life. We must take back our freedom and live as God designed in a free America that honors our Constitution and our Creator. Our experts in medicine, ministry, law, military, environment, and education empower us to grow together as a nation. For such a time as this, the Whistleblower Report offers truth and solutions. Welcome to the Whistleblower Report from Truth for Health Foundation. This is Dr. Lee for America here with another team of our whistleblowers who are bringing you the truth about the lies, deceptions, and all of the assaults on our way of life, your freedom, and your life. For such a time as this, we are here to bring you truth, hope, and solutions. Check out our website, www.truthforhealth.org for medical help, legal help, and all of the other resources. Join us in our Faith Over Fear seminars each Tuesday night via Zoom at eight o'clock Eastern time every week. And now here is your host for today. Welcome. I'm Major Mike Gary, your host for the Whistleblower Report, and this is going to be a military segment. I'm here today with my uh, co-host, Lieutenant Colonel John Cheek, who is a military strategist, and I'll have him introduce himself in a minute, but we kind of lean upon John as our uh, legal subject matter expert, where he's had so much uh, time, put so much time and effort in helping people legally. Uh, but that brings me to another thing. I want to thank all the Truth for Health uh, Foundation donors that have helped with all the legal donations that you've given over these last couple of years. They've gone to good use. And over the course of these whistleblower reports, you've actually seen some of the soldiers and others that have been helped directly by your generous donations. So we thank you for that. Right out of the gate for uh, John and myself, I just want to state that even though we are have been in the military and we're using rank to introduce ourselves, we're just simply doing that to state our backgrounds and what our specific expertise is. We are not representing the Department of Defense on this whistleblower report. We are free men representing ourselves and expressing our own opinions on this certain subject matter. This is going to be an awesome show because I've been wanting to do this show as soon as I saw this case come out. It's the Watts versus DOD or Watts versus Lloyd Austin uh, uh, court case that has been filed back in late May. And it's really interesting because it actually pins uh, the DOD as the defendant in this case, and uh, which is interesting, no other filing has done this thus far. And uh, before I get going too far, I'm just going to introduce myself as a 
you know, I've been in for 25 years and I'm a Seaburn officer, chem, bio, rad, nuclear. So on today's whistleblower report, I'm definitely going to be drawing on my experience with biological threats and biological weapons. And uh, so 25 years of service, but all 15 years specifically in the Seaburn field. And I've run hazmat teams and I'm hazmat technician qualified. And that makes me a PPE expert, personal protective equipment expert. As you, as when you go into hot zones, you have to know what type of gear to go to put put on to deal with the specific threats that you have to deal with. So anyway, that's my background. John, if you don't mind, could you introduce yourself, but also uh, give the audience your background? Yeah, no problem. Th- uh, thank you again, Mike. Um, so I, I've served for over 19 years as an active duty officer. Uh, I currently serve in the Pentagon. I've, I mean, I had any number, I started out as a field artillery officer, logistics officer, and then I've spent the last 12 years uh, as an army strategist. So really strategists, what we do is we specialize in complex planning, planning development, and understanding, you know, large problems that both the nation, the army, and the Department of Defense have to face and overcome uh, using everything that we have. So it's um, in what I've kind of done in this entire COVID fight really is just what most of it's out of necessity. I've had to have, uh, I've studied the laws. I've, I've, stu- I've studied the, uh, you know, I've studied everything that we're supposed to understand as army officers. And I also have a background as a, a master of public administration. So I just understand the connective you know, uh, legal uh, connections between federal, state, local, um, and and everything else, because uh, really that that's, if we don't understand the laws that we administer, then we're not really going to be good public administers. And you can't really be an effective officer if you don't understand the laws that you swore to uphold and defend. So those, those are a lot of the things that, uh, I mean, it, again, it's, I act out of righteousness and I act out of what's right by others. And that's, that's my main driving factor for understanding a lot of this. Um, so that that's really a brief uh, history of my background. Well, thank you very much, John. As the audience can hear, uh, there's a lot of passion in his voice. And that's why we've kind of leaned on John as a subject matter expert for legal advice, because he's dug in deep into the regulations, the statutes and the Constitution in order to help his fellow soldiers out and others, other civilians uh, in helping them def- defend themselves against these illegal mandates. So John has done tremendous work on that. And that's why I'm calling John on this program today. I had him review uh, the filing on the Watts versus DOD case. So he's prepared to give his legal um, his legal uh, thoughts on this for the audience. But what I want to do uh, quickly is open this up, and then I'm going to hand it over to John. But when I first became aware of this Watts versus DOD case, it was uh, from the Defender. And the title of this article is uh, Breaking Family of 24-Year-Old Who Died from COVID Vaccine Sues DOD in Groundbreaking Case. And this was uh, came out on 31 May. So just a month and a half ago, it further states the family of the 24-year-old man who died from complications of COVID-19 vaccine-induced myocarditis alleges the U.S. Department of Defense engaged in willful misconduct 
when it claimed Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine authorized for emergency use was safe and effective. And I'm going to read on just a couple other paragraphs here to get the audience up to speed on what we're talking about. First paragraph says, the, 20, uh, the family of the 24-year-old man who died from complications of the COVID-19 vaccine-induced myocarditis today filed a lawsuit against the U.S. Department of Defense, which oversaw the development and distribution of the drug under Operation Warp Speed. Ray Flores, the attorney representing the estate of George Watts Jr., filed the lawsuit in the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia against the DOD and Lloyd Austin in his official capacity as the defense secretary. The lawsuit alleges the DOD engaged in willful misconduct by continuing to exclusively allow distribution of the stockpile version of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine that had been authorized for emergency use even after the U.S. Food and Drug Administration granted full approval to a different vaccine called Comirnaty or Comirnaty. Uh, one more paragraph here. Watts waited for a vaccine he thought was safe and effective. Watts was a student at Corning Community College in Corning, New York, when in the summer of 2021, the school mandated the COVID-19 vaccine for all students attending fall classes, the mandate was part of uh, the mandate was part of the mandate at the State University of New York, a, a network of 64 colleges. So, John, there's your opener, and I just wanted to hand it over to you so you can give the audience a little more detail on what all that means. Go ahead, John. Yeah, th thank you again, Mike. So um, I, I reviewed this case. I actually, I, I saw the same article uh, that Mike referenced. Uh, I mean, also when it came out. So on the 31st of May of this year, uh, you know, the, the estate of George Watts filed a case against the Department of Defense. And, uh, you know, the, the primary charge is uh, for willful misconduct. So for the audience, you have to understand that willful misconduct is part of the PREP Act, uh, which is you know, found in, in 42 United States Code Section 247D, as in Delta-6 Delta. Um, and so what, what, what that really means is, so first is when the Secretary of Health and Human Services declares a public health emergency, uh, that basically grants anybody that develops a covered countermeasure full liability immunity for any scope of loss. Um, and loss can be death all the way down to, I uh, always joke, mental anguish, but it basically covers everything. So to produce anything that's under emergency use authorization or anything that's not licensed, uh, you, you, you basically cover yourself with like full liability immunity for any type of loss. Um, so if you're an individual, what that means is you accept 100% of the injury and the loss and the risk by taking a covered countermeasure, which is why in law in both 21 United States Code Section 360 uh, Triple B or uh, Triple Bravo Dash Three, um, you know you are supposed to be explained and the conditions are supposed to exist. You know that you you should know that this is an unlicensed product that this uh, that this product uh, you have the right to accept or refuse. 
So what the estate, or really meaning the parents of uh, you know George uh, Watts, actually filed is a willful misconduct. So in order to nullify the liabilities, you know one has to actually prove that uh, willful misconduct you know occurred. So I'll, I'll before I kind of dive into what, you know, like the three components. The, the case has to be filed in the in Washington, D.C. This is another mechanism that both the legislature and everybody passed to give uh, anyone with covered countermeasures even more immense ability to you know, produce unlicensed products at, at great risk to an individual. Uh, because uh, like really the only jurisdiction that covers it is Washington, D.C., uh, because it's a willful misconduct case under uh, 42 United States Code 247 Delta-6 Delta. So, so they filed the case, uh, and, and so the, the family actually, you have to, so first you have to suffer an injury. So first you have to actually like prove that an injury, uh, you have to have a doctor brave enough to actually say that the injury uh, sustained was in fact from the countermeasure in question that's covered with full liability immunity. The coroner and everyone else like supported, like wholeheartedly supported that that this injury, a 24-year-old, a 24-year-old died of acute myocarditis and heart failure, which I don't know about anyone listening, but 24-year-olds in first, second, and even third world countries shouldn't be clutching their chest and dropping dead uh, from heart problems. Uh, but that's what unfortunately happened to, you know, you know Mr. Watts. So he died in in October of 2021. So uh, so the family then filed a claim within the Countermeasure Injuries Compensation Program, or CICP. That's also governed by 42 United States Code 247 Delta-6 Echo, or as an E. Um, you know, so that those that's the actual statutory enabling uh, or the enabling statute that actually allows the CICP to be a means of recompense. So uh, first, you have to file a claim. So they filed the claim. 240 days passed at minimum. You have to uh, like at least allow this you know, Byzantine, you know, a process that's really to date. Uh, they've only awarded, I mean, less than $10,000 to five claimants out of almost now 12,000 know, people that have claimed injury. So they waited for about uh, you know, 240 days. After 240 days, they were actually able to file a federal case uh, because now a federal case becomes a justifiable means to actually uh, to, to resolve this case. So, uh, so they filed... They filed the claim, the primary charge being a willful misconduct. So the three components of willful misconduct is, number one, uh, that the entity is, is intentionally achieving a wrongful purpose. Number two, knowingly without legal or factual justification. And number three, in disregard of a known obvious risk that is so great to make it highly probable that the harm will outweigh the benefit. Uh, all part of 42 United States Code Section 247D-6 Delta subparagraph or subpart Charlie. So what does that really mean to anyone listening? It means that right now the DOD definitely, uh, <laughs> I mean, like they they use the Pfizer BioNTech and even the Moderna, uh, you know, EUA, emergency use authorized shots. That means they are unlicensed. They use these unlicensed shots 
to pass as the license shots. Um, for those a little bit more familiar, on the 14th of September 2021, uh, let's see, um, De Deputy Secretary uh, Terry Adderham uh, for, for Defense, you know, of Health Affairs, uh, made the false and non-statutorily justifiable claim that all the shots were interchangeable uh, with the licensed product. So the uh, Food and Drug Administration approved uh, Comirnaty, which is made by Pfizer for BioNTech, uh, on uh, the 23rd of, of August uh, 2021, um, and then on the, uh, the 24th of August 2021, that's when the Department of Defense passed its mandates, and most other cities and states and local governments started passing similar mandates between September and October of 2021. The problem is that no one ever actually had the license shot. And we just said we did because we had the formula that was approved, which if anyone knows anything about licensure, you can't just approve the formula and then say everything's good. Uh, the interchangeability claim, there's actually laws that actually guide and direct interchangeability between two licensed biologic products, that's shots. So two shots have to be licensed under 42 United States Code, Section 262. Um, so the DOD and every federal agency violated that law, I mean, like whole, wholesale, um, you know, so you would have to have two shots that are licensed, and then one, you have to prove biosimilarity, meaning that properties are practically similar and the formulation is practically similar to then uh, like file for interchangeability. Um, Neither happened because you didn't even have the license shot approved. So really what the heart of this case is, is that the Department of Defense, who is, turns out more and more, it turns out was leading uh, the Operation Warp Speed, the distribution, manufacture, and um, and uh, yeah, just like, uh, and the messaging for uh, the, uh, the, the uh, mRNA vaccines, or if we want to call them vaccines, um, you know, they were actually leading all of this and Mr. Watts mistakenly took this, you know, uh, took this in October of 2021, thinking that, oh, well, the FDA approved this and now I'm getting, I'm getting the official licensed product. Well, he never did get the licensed product. He took Pfizer BioNTech uh, EUA shot and everybody knew it, even the people administering it, because it says so on the label. I mean, all these things are clearly labeled, and uh, you know, they're clearly labeled, and even legally must conspicuously state that they are emergency use authorized only and not licensed. So really, it gets to the heart of this case. Gets to the heart of fraud, and, and I mean, I mean, everybody was committing fraud to a scale I don't think any of us have ever seen before, uh, in order to convince everyone that what you're taking is something that's safe and effective. What you also have to understand with something that's emergency use authorized is you can't advertise it's safe or effective because it's it, it's experimental. It's, it may be safe, it may be effective. And, and it clearly says that in emergency use authorized letters, which are all public documents hung on the FDA website. So, I mean, every time, so when, when Comirnaty was released, was approved, then uh, the FDA also released a new updated uh, emergency use authorization letter for Pfizer uh, BioNTech, you know, the, the, the EUA shot, which again, uh, I kept echoing the language of this product is legally distinct 
And that's another thing this case argues is you kept saying it's legally distinct because it is. It, I mean, the product in the market is legally distinct, meaning totally different. That's like taking Coca-Cola and RC Cola. You're, you're basically trying to say that because they're brown and fizzy, they're the same, but they're not because Coke doesn't own RC. RC doesn't own Coke. They are legally distinct products. Um, and, and yet you're trying to pretend like they're the same thing and you can use them interchangeably. Sure, I could drink both drinks the same, but they're not the same. And I mean, you know, so it, it's it's really so the core of this case gets down to the fraud and that the Department of Defense willingly and knowingly knew these shots were uh, unsafe because at this point in 2021, I mean, the Vaccine Adverse Event uh, Reporting System or VAERS, which is the system of record uh, that the FDA and the CDC have to look at, also by law, that both organizations are required to you know, keep track of vaccine adverse events. Uh, I mean, this thing by that time was already over 12,000 reported deaths with uh, the, you know, the COVID-19 uh, shots. So, I mean, it's hard to say that 12,000 deaths when prior to, uh, you know, 2020, there was only like 8,731 reported deaths in 30 years. And then in less than a year, you already had accumulated like over 20,000 deaths and 12,000 of them had been attributed to at least you know, attributed to the COVID-19 shots, you, you can't argue safety and effectiveness, but yet that's what everybody, including the Department of Defense, who was leading this whole thing, was doing. Um, so, th so that's really what the family is arguing, is that you knew this wasn't safe, and then furthermore, you kept saying that what you had was the actual licensed product available, and you've duped a lot of people, uh, you know, including service members, into taking a shot that you didn't actually have, and knowing full well that the individual was accepting all of the risk and all of, like, you know, the potential loss, you know, with taking something that wasn't licensed. I mean, you know, it, you know, again, it's a uh, you know, serving and, and working in an organization that purports to have, you know, at least seven army values, integrity being one of them, that is the complete opposite of what integrity is really supposed to be. And this is something both Mike, I, and many, many others in their respective services have been trying to like let people know and show and physically demonstrate, um, which is, I mean, first off, the, the bedrock of integrity really gets to, uh, gets to if you know something's wrong and you've been told you don't keep doing it, just stop. And yet our leaders apparently just keep on going, you know, refusing to admit that what they did was wrong and which is very disheartening. But, but when I saw this case, I read it and I'm like, I, I, I'm very much like, I mean, you know, I, I looked at it and I, I reviewed it. It's 22 pages for those that you know, take a look at it. You know, we'll probably put the um, children's health defense article in the write-up Take a look at this case, though. I mean, because they summarize every aspect of the argument very, very well, very clearly, very concisely. And they have a strong case to show that you, I mean, at the time of Mr. Watts's death, and even now, there is no Comirnaty that was widely available ever. I mean, I have the EUA letters for both uh, the Moderna spike facts, or, or which was the license shot for Moderna on uh, 31 January 2022. Um, you know, which played the same game. You FDA approved. We re-released, uh, republished the EUA letter to say there's not enough of the licensed product available. So basically, five months after Comirnaty was supposed to be available, we're still producing EUA letters saying there's not enough available. So in bottom line, they never released the shot ever. And 
And people suffered because of this. I mean, you know, whether it be they lost their jobs because my father-in-law actually was fired in New York as a teacher um, because he refused to take the unlicensed product. Um, and I mean, he was he was fired. And other people that suffered injuries and other people that just took it because they were coerced to take something that wasn't even licensed. So, so, so really, it's yeah. uh, this case is is very interesting because it really it it demonstrates a strong case of what the DoD knew and what continued to communicate. And yeah. then, it's um, I really yeah. hope this thing continues to go because a lot of people need to uh, you know, like I said earlier in the intro, I'm all about the righteousness and they are trying to do what's right by this individual, but by so many others. So yeah, I mean, yeah, with that, yeah, go ahead, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. John, I'd like to jump in there when you were talking about the seven army values and you brought out integrity. Now I know uh, probably you as well as me and, and several, several others, when people started to receive these emergency use authorization shots, we made simple observations and saw people be, get sick for a day or two, some a week or more. And it was permissive for these people to actually miss work. That was an okay thing. And that was a sign that the so-called vaccine was working. But that's that wasn't the case. These A lot of these people, I uh, took witness statements down or took testimony down from their enduring uh, adverse events that they received. Uh, for example, there was a 1E7 uh, female um, that I was fairly close with. We were good friends. And she started to actually lose her hair. I mean, it didn't happen instantly, right? But because it's a type of autoimmune condition, alpatia, which is listed on the Pfizer documents, she started to lose her hair. And there were several other females that started to develop this autoimmune condition and their hair started to thin. I mean, everybody was turned away when they tried to communicate that these things uh, weren't safe and effective, right? That was what many, many soldiers tried to do. They tried to state these are not safe and effective products. And that's why this court case is so interesting because it lays it out so well and it seems to be that the Department of Defense is the head of Operation Warp Speed. And I knew it uh, from the first day, I think it was right around December 14th, 11th, something like that of 2020, when General Perna came out and said, he stated this, I remember him saying it, this is the beginning of the end, he said. Well, there's two ways you can take that statement. This is the beginning of the end of COVID, or this is the beginning of the end of something else. And you can take that as a nefarious meaning. And that's how I took it, because I knew this was this thing was rushed. It was so rushed. And I knew the trials weren't conducted properly. They couldn't have been in that time. So anyway, I just wanted to share that with the audience um, we're going to be going to a break here shortly, but uh, before I do that, I just want to point out to you guys that you need to go to our website, truthforhealth.org, that's truthforhealth.org, and check out our resource guides there. Our COVID vaccine injury uh, resource guide is like the number one download for our website because obviously there's a number of injuries and people are interested in trying to heal themselves and find help. 
So go, go to our website. You're going to find resource guides for COVID treatments, uh, for uh, dioxin, uh, for radiation treatment guides. And we also have unique uh, ministries, our medicine and ministry, our Catholics for preservation for life. And uh, so we have some other ministry things that you need to check out, uh, corporate prayers and other things that we're working on, trying to help unite uh, this Christian front against this deep-seated evil that's in our country. So go to uh, truthforhealth.org, and we'll be back right after the break. Welcome back to the second half of our show. This is the Whistleblower Report, and this is a military segment for the Truth for Health Foundation. And we've got a really good show uh, going for you today. This is the Watts versus the DOD uh, court case that was filed back at the end of May. And I have uh, Lieutenant Colonel John Cheek here with me, and I'm Major Mike Gary, your resident Seaburn officer. And we're kind of pulling apart this court filing and sharing some other unique findings, especially in scientific journals that has uh, come out recently. So um, hopefully you find this an extremely interesting show, but also a helpful show, as I do believe this is a time that people that were vaccine injured or fired from their jobs for not getting the COVID vaccine gene therapy products, you may find this court filing extremely helpful to yourself and actually uh, use some of it in future court battles uh, if you find yourself in one of those two categories. John, before I hand it over to you for further analysis, I just wanted to share that this at the center of this court filing is an autopsy on this young man. And you have the coroner and the other medical uh, examiners that found that it was uh, vaccine-induced myocarditis because of the, pro- you know, the proximity, how quick it happened after he got his shot. You know, it was like within a month that he developed this or, or thereabouts. And what's interesting is right now we have so many things coming out in scientific journals. For example, here's a peer-reviewed uh, scientific study. It's called, it's entitled, A Systematic Review of Autopsy Findings in Deaths After COVID-19 Vaccination. Now, uh, uh, Dr. Peter McCullough and uh, Dr. Roger Hulkinson and several other good doctors like Paul E. Alexander, PhD, who was on uh, Trump's COVID uh, uh, task force, and there's several other doctors listed on this, peer-reviewed a bunch of information on autopsies. And I'm just going to read the background methods and findings on this uh, really quick for the audience, because it plays a direct role in a case like this in future court filings, uh, I believe. So I feel like it's it's really worthy for the audience to know this. So basically, the background on the scientific journal was the rapid development and widespread of uh, development of COVID-19 vaccines combined with a high number of adverse event reports have led to concerns over possible mechanisms of injury, including systematic lipid nanoparticle and mRNA distribution spike protein associated tissue damage 
uh, thrombogenicity, immune system dysfunction, and carcinogenicity. The aim of this systematic review is to investigate possible cause links between COVID-19 vaccine administered and death using autopsies and post-mortem analysis. The methods, we search for all published autopsies and necropsies uh, reports relating to COVID-19 vaccination up until May 18 of 2023. We initially identified 678 studies and after screening for our inclusion criteria included 44 papers that contain 325 autopsy cases. Um, uh, three physicians independently reviewed all deaths and determined whether COVID-19 vaccination was direct cause or contributed significantly to death. So the findings, here's the findings in this. The most implicated organ system in COVID-19 vaccination associated death was the cardiovascular system, 53% of the time, followed by the hematological system of 17%, and then the respiratory system with 8%, and multiple organ systems of 7%. Three or more organ systems were affected in 21 cases. The mean time for vaccination to death was 14.3 days. Most deaths occurred within a week from last vaccination administration. A total of 240 deaths. So 73.9% is what they discovered were independently adjudicated as directly due to or significantly contributed to buy this COVID-19 vaccination. That's out of all those studies and papers that they reviewed that did not say COVID-19 was the uh, uh, death, was the cause of death. But this is going back and looking at it and reviewing at 14.3 days as an average. Yes, it was. Now that Now we know what we know with all the adverse events. For example, like myocarditis and periocarditis, if the people died of that within, you know, that short amount of time, they surmised that it was due to the vaccination. So the interpretation of this, the consistency seen among cases in this review with known COVID-19 vaccine adverse events, their mechanisms and related excess death coupled with autopsy confirmation and physician-led death adjudication suggests there is a high likelihood of causal link between COVID-19 vaccines and death in most cases. Further urgent investigation is required for the purpose of clarifying our findings. Now, this uh, study, which came out uh, July 6th, so just last week, it has had hundreds of thousands of downloads. That's scientific journals don't have that in such a short amount of time. So that tells you what people are thinking. So John, I just wanted to share that in relation to your legal analysis, uh, that the autopsy, which again, you had to have a brave medical examiner and, and coroner to actually come to that conclusion, right? But now we have a scientific journal that's showing it was probably everywhere at 74% rate. So, John, yeah, I'd just like to get your reactions on that and if it stirs up anything else about the, the court filing. Yeah, how many reactions are, I remember when I first uh, looked at that study, too, it's, uh, I mean, shock, but also at the same time, everything that, like, most of us have seen 
it's also not a shock. It's just a shock that it's it's finally now coming out that this is how severe you know these things are. I mean, I, I remember following uh, following the case where I, I, I'm blanking on on the uh, group that filed the case, but it was against the FDA and Pfizer, but uh, you know to release records and and that was the case, the famous case that didn't get a lot of publicity where the FDA said they needed 55 years, then 75 years in order to uh, fully redact and release all the information for Pfizer's uh, initial studies. So, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I mean, like a year is already too much, but asking for 75 years already says you've got nothing but things to hide. I mean, that's bizarre uh, to say the least. And hearing the study, I mean, that's just, uh, it supports this case. It supports the fact that like both the doctor, which again, most doctors got threatened for not recommending or, you know, or it's talking bad against, you know, because, we, you know, the, the DOD's primary terms, we have to increase vaccine uptake. And, you know, I mean, it's it's not about was it safe or effective? We just lie and say it is. Uh, and the, the court case completely hammers that home. Another interesting thing, like, you know, Mike, to kind of go, uh, coincide with all that is, uh, is like, so on, uh, you're within this case, and this is something important for, you know, the, the listeners, is like on page 18 of this actual, the original court filing, so paragraph 84, uh, so it states, the DOD vaccine that killed Mr. Watts was not and still not licensed. In fact, as of April 18th, 2023, the vaccine that killed Mr. Watts, uh, the monovalent Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 mRNA vaccine is no longer even authorized for use in the United States. This EUA, emergency use authorization, has been revoked, which is 100% true. Uh, I have the EUA letters, uh, you know, all filed for both uh, Moderna and for Pfizer-BioNTech. What does that mean to anyone else is there is no reason why the EUA shots should have still been in the market if you supposedly had the license shot, that's another part of 21 United States Code, Section 360, Triple B-3, which I, once you have an approved product, I mean, so the whole purpose of, of actually granting an emergency use authorization is that you have no licensed or approved product available you know, for the purpose of prevention, treatment, diagnosis, or curing. So if you actually had the shot, there's no reason to even re relinquish or, or, or rescind the EUA letter and the EUA status because you don't have it to begin with and you should have had the licensed shot. So again, it's if the shot, the approved shots were in the market, all of the EUA shots should have come off the market because you had a licensed alternative and that should have nullified everything. The fact that it's still... Uh, you you waited until 18 April 2023 means that anyone injured, anyone fired, anyone that suffered any type of like negative effects from some uh, you know these shots, you were suffering it from an unlicensed emergency use authorized product, which the standards to bring something into a market are substantially lower than something that actually has to follow investigational new drug or an investigational new device device like clinical trials. Really, the, the primary things within you know 21 USC 360 triple B dash three are that there is nothing of licensed available, that it's uh, based on the totality of scientific evidence, and this is a legitimate quote, if available, so I don't even have to have anything, and it's reasonable to believe that it may be safe and effective. 
I say the word may because words as a strategist, as a lawyer, and just as a human mean things. May is a far cry from clinically proven, statistically proven, without a doubt, shall, must, uh, you know, may is, at, that's a wide range of, of, of like allowances. It means it may not, but, um, you know, so again, the product that it's reasonable to believe it may be safe or effective, uh, not it's both, it may be, um, and it's reasonable to believe. Like I, I harp on that because, I mean, that's what allows it in the market, something that's reasonable to believe. I mean, it's reasonable to believe the tooth fairy exists because a tooth disappears uh, in the middle of the night. It's reasonable to believe a lot of things. It's not proven though. And that's something that the DOD and all of our federal agencies kept you know, uh, stating, almost like, you know, you couldn't communicate with them is, wow, of course it's safe and effective. It's safe and effective. It's safe and effective. Well, it's not. It, you know, you legally can't say something that's not licensed is safe or effective. And it's another reason why they didn't want the license shot out in the market, because it would be liable for damages, especially if it hadn't been fully you know, approved. And there's a whole bunch of other things that opened it up to liabilities for everyone involved. So they'd rather you as the individual eat the risk and suffer any of the losses or the damage you know, as Mr. Watts you know, did. So it's uh, I, I hear the study and it just it, it, it just makes me angrier, but that much more determined uh, to see this thing through, because uh, it, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it, it's just unbelievable that, you know, as, as we talked in the first segment, you know, we talk army values, we talk like you know, our oaths of office, and yet we're doing something blatantly wrong. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know, Mike, I, I, I don't know what you think about all this, but yeah. uh, that's kind of my take on it. Well, as you were speaking, John, it reminded me that there is the Brooke Jackson versus Pfizer case out there. And in that case, uh, so so Brooke Jackson was uh, for the audience out there. Hopefully you, you're aware of this case, but she was uh, like a regional uh, manager of one of the trial test sites. And she's the one that realized there was fraud going on. And she was working for a subcontractor under Pfizer, but she tried to bring it to her chain of command's attention that they're actually not following through with proper procedures with conducting a proper trial for a vaccine. And she came up with this whole list of things that they were just botching. And uh, so eventually it led to her firing and then thus it led to her actually uh, bringing a lawsuit against Pfizer. And in that lawsuit that has played out, and it's not done yet. Pfizer is kind of one at the moment. But what was found out thus far is when she went to sue Pfizer for fraud, uh, Pfizer is like, oh, no, no, no. Uh, I was just following the contract of the DOD. The DOD wanted me to bring forth a prototype. And that's what I did. As Pfizer said, I brought forth a prototype that I contracted with the DOD for. And that's what we got. So at the moment, the judge has found in favor with Pfizer. And then, of course, I think it's going on appeal. Brooke Jackson's not done yet. But uh, anyway, it was a prototype, which fits into this emergency use authorization project product that we've only seen. We've never seen uh, a biological license agreement product, which is called an FDA approved product. Right. So. So uh, to have the uh, biological license agreement, you have to have three conditions. You have to have 
the facilities blessed off on, the procedures in which this product is made by blessed off on, which is your quality control piece that an EUA product does not have. Okay, that's what would make a FDA approved product safe and effective is the quality control procedures. And then the third thing is the proper labeling, which would be the comernity or comernati, depending on how you say it. So anyway, I wanted to point that out for the uh, audience, but I also have another peer review journal here that I'm not going to get into too deep. Uh, I just want to point this out to the audience because I know John's got a few more things he wants to say, but this peer-reviewed uh, scientific journal came out uh, back in March, This just this past March. It's called Batch-Dependent Safety of the BioNTech-162 Bravo-2 mRNA COVID-19 Vaccine. And it was uh, a scientific journal that was done in Denmark, okay? And what it found um, was that there was a wide range uh, in the different lots. So the consistencies and the amount of mRNA and the amount of contaminants in the different lots. And essentially, so if you go look it up, what you're going to find is one third of the lots seem to have nothing. They seem to be saline. Meanwhile, two-thirds of the lots seem to have uh, small amounts of mRNA product, and then approximately, it was a little under 5%, seemed to be extremely uh, dangerous lots. And they had high levels of contaminants and high levels of the actual mRNA product, which through another study, uh, scientific study, we found that this is not mRNA products. It's called modified mRNA, which means it's modified to last a long time in the body. So I'm not going to go too deep in, in science right now because that's not the intent of this whistleblower story. But I just want to kind of show how John's revealing all this legal um uh, specifics around this filing, but we also have the scientific data that is building on the side of uh, the ones who tried to warn, that tried to say, hey, wait a minute, let's go slow here. Hey, let's be a little cautious with this. And that's not what happened. Everybody was forced into this thing. In some countries, you could not buy or sell without it. Israel comes to mind. It was one of the early uh, countries that you could not buy or sell without this. And again, this this uh, is shadows of the book of Revelation and the mark of the beast, you know, to some of us. That's what some of us devout Christians were starting to see uh, shape up. And Austria comes to mind. That was another country that you couldn't buy or sell or move without the, the vaccine. So anyway, I just kind of want to point some of that out in backing up the legal side of this, John. Do you have any reactions that you, or anything else you would like to add to that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, real quick, I mean, you know, with the significance of this case and just all, all this stuff is what it really shows to me is like it's going to be very hard for for anyone to prove there wasn't willful misconduct. Um, I, I mean, so what happens with willful misconduct is if this is proven, which it's going to be hard pressed. I mean, uh, the judge and somebody is going to have to try to find some sort of technicality. 
because I mean, this, this all shows that people in the know, they knew and they acted accordingly. I mean, you know, so if this case uncovers willful misconduct, the legal liability protections that everyone has been operating under disappear. And that opens, uh, that opens the door for basically everybody uh, in terms of, especially like anyone that worked for a government, government institution, um, because governments across the board are covered persons. Uh, it actually opens the door for everybody to file, you know, claims against the employer for, I mean, if for nothing else, for fraud. I mean, the fact that this was all well known and, and anybody with just a basic eighth grade reading comprehension and understanding level can read these laws and read these EUA letters and really understand what's going on. Uh, you don't have to be a lawyer to read the laws. Believe it or not, a lot of this you can do yourself. You just go to like, you know, ushouse.gov and you know, just just look around. All the laws and the EUA letters like are on the FDA webpage. I mean, you know, and, and if you see what what you allow like test kits and masks to get away with, like that is the letter that allows an unlicensed product to be in the market. So, I mean, really, if this case like actually comes to fruition, it's it's going to open the door for so many that have uh, suffered so much. Uh, from all of these mandates, and it really paves the way for all the other, uh, you know, things that were used, masks, test kits, ventilators. I mean, it, it just shows that everyone, everyone should have known the difference between licensed and unlicensed, what that really meant. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's just, I, I even, you know, hear the, I read the Denmark study, and, you know, it's just, uh, it, it, first off, it, it really kind of goes opposite of the whole well, this is all about safety. It can't be about safety if you put a third of the sh of the shots in the market were placebos and you knew that. That means you willingly experimented on like each and every one of us, and you just I don't know you thought it was going to be funny or you you know you just wanted to see what would happen. But bottom line, you can't you can't say it was about safety if uh, you know it was so important to get it, get it in the arms of every you know every human being and then like. A good chunk of them weren't even really anything effective anyways because it was just salt water and and then you know it's like that that just that opens up a whole new you know thing but what i do want everyone to understand uh, about this case is it's big and nobody's really nobody's talking about it because this carries some some serious serious implications with it and the fact that it's not even a dod service member filing a case against the dod is even more significant uh, that's why no one wants to no one's trying to broadcast this because it's this basically unravels everything and sad part is we work for this organization and i don't know about you mike but you know it's it's not why i signed up uh, you know uh, it's not what i signed up for which was to openly experiment and lie to our, the people we were sworn to uphold defend and protect I mean, you know, I, I thought what I was signing up for was to protect, uh, support, defend the Constitution and our fellow American citizens and anyone within these borders. That's what I thought. But apparently it seems to be a little bit opposite of what the reality has been. That, that's been a little hard for me to take. So uh, I'll turn it back over to you for you know, kind of final thoughts or, you know, what you think about things, too. Well, that's uh, it's. Yeah, so I can hear it in your voice, John. I think we were talking before we started the show. It is extremely sad because probably both of us, I know at least for, I can speak for myself, that at that point, uh, when this, right before this young man took these shots, 
I had already alerted my chain of command and asked about that footnote of interchangeability. And I said, wait a minute, they're telling us that the FDA approved product is never going to be made. You know, I had already alerted my chain of command. I imagine you did, John, and we know several others that did it at that time. That was late August of 2021. So many of us service members had come forward and asked about that. But not only that, we also had pointed out the obvious, all the adverse events, and we had pre presented the VAERS data or the DMED data, if people had uh, access to that, which I did not, but the VAERS Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System, I mean, if the medical community wasn't going to do something about the signaling system, naturally us in the military started to ask questions and point the chain of command to that and say, hey, what's up with, you know, I think about that time there was 15,000 deaths uh, listed in VAERS about August of 2021, if I remember correctly. And, uh, you know, nearly a million adverse events of significant events listed in there. And so we attempted to bring this information forward. That's why I think the military service members are the key, because a lot of us actually mentioned this in our religious exemption packets. We actually stated, hey, we don't want a, a part of any of these things in our body. But moreover, look at the signaling system. It says this, and that ended up in a lot of service members' uh, religious exemption packets. So I think ultimately one day some of us will be called forward to testify on this fact. And, and I don't see this being the only filing. Uh, it is quiet right now, this Watts versus DOD, because nobody wants to really touch it at the moment. We're still in this phase of deep denial. Or this deep uh, solace where the medical community doesn't want to admit that it allowed such a thing to happen. I don't know. It's We'll find out soon. But this, this is probably not the only case to come. And the way this is written, it looks like it probably will succeed. Like John had so eloquently pointed everything out. So hopefully everybody has found this uh, show to be helpful that it points you in the right direction, especially if you've been vaccine injured. We want to thank the donors out there who have signed up to give donations. We appreciate that for the cause. We put the money to good use. We've directly funded some of the military whistleblowers with those donations, and we thank you very much. We uh, would push you over to our website, truthforhealth.org. Uh, That's truthforhealth.org. And you could join our crusade. We are silent no more. Sign up for our email alerts. Check out all our resources that we provide for medical advice to ministry help and for constitutional rights information. So we thank you. This is Mike Gary and John Cheek signing off.